Welcome to Lasting Truth, a radio ministry of Calvary Chapel, Sweet Hills in Banning, California, where Pastor Ryan Hussein teaches the entire Word of God, chapter by chapter, verse by verse, giving our listeners the opportunity of receiving the full counsel of God. And today we are studying in the book of 2 Kings, chapter 23. Here's Pastor Ryan. Father, we thank you for your mercy, for your love, for your grace. We thank you, Lord, that, Lord, you're on the throne, Lord, that you're the one true God, that, Lord, no power is greater than you. And, Lord, our lives are in your hands, and we're grateful for that. Lord, that we're safely in your hands. We ask that you would bless our time tonight, Father, as we've gathered in the name of your Son, Jesus Christ. And so, Lord, bless the word. Holy Spirit, minister to us. Give us humble hearts, Lord. Bind the enemy. Bind his lies. And I know, Lord, that some may be tired. Lord, I just pray that you would give us all strength. And, and Lord, pour out your grace tonight. May it be all of you and none of me. In Jesus' name we pray and together we say, Amen. So in 2 Kings chapter 23, as you know, the kingdom of Judah is about to face the judgment of God they're going to be taken into captivity by the Babylonians here pretty soon and at the moment there is a good king on the throne Josiah who is the last good king of the kingdom of Judah the northern kingdom of Israel has already been taken by the Assyrians into captivity so the Lord here is working with King Josiah because he's a good king and God wants to work with his people and desires that his people walk with him and desires that leaders turn to the Lord and walk with him. And here Josiah is one of those kings that really sought the Lord and God is blessing his life, prospering his life. And Josiah is really known for all of the reforms that he does. He cleans up all of the wicked, pagan idolatrous objects from the land he really cleans house and and um, that's the thing with with Christianity it's you know it's it's kind of a two-way thing when we come to the Lord he cleans our heart he washes us clean of all of our sins and we are also filled with his Holy Spirit so this temple this body becomes a temple of the living God he cleanses us he cleans it all out and then he fills us with this Holy Spirit and if you, you think about the Lord and how he spoke concerning that parable of demons being cast out of a house and, and leaving and f because they were cast out, but then they couldn't find a place to go, so they came back to the house. They found it all swept and clean and brought back more wicked demons with them so that the state of the person was even worse. So a person must be filled, not just cleansed, but filled with God. It's part of the package. And here Josiah is cleaning out his kingdom. It must be cleaned out in order for God to be truly praised and worshiped, right? God's not going to intermingle with those evil pagan objects. And so the last time we were together, we read how he had called all of Judah and Jerusalem together 
to hear the word of God. And as they were hearing it, they made covenants to God. Their hearts were broken as they heard the word of God. And then he ordered the high priest and those who kept the doors or the doorkeepers of the temple to go in and begin to remove all of the pagan items from the temple. They took away the vessels and utensils that that these pagan priests would use in the worship of Baal. Baal was, a, was the storm god of the Canaanites. He also had the wooden Ashereth pole removed, which is the wife of Baal, the female goddess Ashereth. And so he was having these things removed, and he also had the pagan priests that were actually ordained by previous wicked kings of Judah. I mean, they were actually ordained by kings of Judah, and he had them removed. And then he had the homes that were around the temple where the perverse persons practice sexual immorality. And I was reading today as I was studying through the King James, and it says the houses of the Sodomites. So when I said it was a homosexual homosexuals that were around as part of temple worship i'm not kidding in the king james it says there were sodomites so nothing has changed you know the world was perverse back then and it's and it's perverse today and our country is getting more and more perverse but you know these things had had to be removed and in the cleaning process he would take the have the guys take these pagan artifacts and and have them crushed and burned there in the Kidron Valley, there in the fields of Kidron. And then he would have them delivered north, out of the kingdom, north to Bethel, where the, where the northern kingdom of Israel used to be. Samaria, he took, it, he took them away from his area to the place where, they were, where that pagan worship was being done. So he was very thorough, he was very serious about cleaning house. And I was, as I was meditating on, on this fact, the question came to me, is there anything in our lives that needs to go? Is there anything in our lives that needs to go? Jesus said in Matthew 16, verse 26, What does it profit a man if he shall gain the whole world and lose his own soul? Or what shall a man give in exchange for his soul? Is there anything in your life that is worth keeping that can hinder or hurt your relationship with Jesus Christ? Is there anything in your life worth keeping? Is there anything? It's a good question to ask ourselves. And it's a question that I think all of us must come to terms with and answer. Is there anything in our lives that takes preeminence over Jesus Christ? Is there someone's voice that takes preeminence over the voice of God in our life? Or does God still have priority does he have kingship and supremacy in how we are guided how we think how we live is his voice the one that we give more credit you get what i'm saying he has to be preeminent and the lord asked the question like what would a man give in exchange for his soul very little very little will a person give there's so many people out there that will not give up these little idols, these little things in their life to come to Jesus Christ. Sadly, to them, it's the biggest thing. What means so much to us that we won't let go for the excellence of Jesus Christ? Is it a person? 
Is it a relationship that isn't that that is one you shouldn't be in? Could it be materialism? Could it be your career, your self-image? Could it be a hobby? Is there anything that takes away from the preeminence of, of God in your life? And if there is, God help us to get rid of it. God help us to do away with it. And I think that, you know, when you look at the human condition, the Bible says that for a, for a piece of bread, a man will transgress. Doesn't take much to, to exchange his soul doesn't take much, just a crust of bread. So we have to be really careful. Lord, let there not be any other loves in our life that compete with your voice. Be the center of my heart. Be king of my heart. And it takes, it takes dedication. We see Josiah, is he dedicated to cleaning up things? Absolutely. He's not going about it flippantly, man. This guy planned this guy planned and he starts giving directives led by the Lord clean this get this out get this out get this out and that's how we have to deal with the things in our life that are hindering the things in our life that are that are hurting our relationship with the Lord we don't need it all things are lawful our things are are lawful but they're not all helpful for our walk with the Lord God needs to take preeminence. If not, it's just an idol. And God sees it like an idol. We might see it just as a person, a place, or a thing. And the biggest idol that we have to be careful of is the idol of self-worship. The idol of doing our own will rather than saying, every morning, Lord, thy will be done in my life. Whatever your will is, I'm open to it. You're, you get first dibs on me. And so we begin in verse 10. We continue. Here he is just cleaning house thoroughly. Verse 10, it says, And he defiled Topheth, which is in the valley of the son of Hinnom, that no man might make his son or his daughter pass through the fire of Molech. And so he defiled this place, Topheth, which was a place where the, the Judeans would worship false god, the false god of Molech, which was the god of Ammon. And I know I mentioned this last week, but I think it's worth mentioning again, since we ended right in the middle. But this was the, the area, this was the, the little valley that they would take their sons and daughters and make them pass through the fire. And that's the word that stuck out this time around was that they made them. And isn't that what abortion does? It's an act of a parent making their baby die. Making them die. And I don't say that with any condemnation. God has forgiven me of my sins. The blood of Jesus on the cross cleanses that, forgives that. But I'm saying it because we see that it was in Scripture from long ago that this was abominable to the Lord. And Josiah had that whole area wiped out, defiled it, so that it couldn't be done there anymore. In Proverbs chapter 6, there's that famous verse in verse 17 that 
that God hates the shedding of innocent blood. You ask the question, does God hate? Yes, he hates evil. And he hates the shedding of innocent blood. To him, it's abominable. And he called it that. He just, it, it's sickening to him. The idea of, of parents forcing their kids to pass through the fires of Moloch as, as human sacrifices because it would benefit the parents financially. And today, that's, that's the reason that you hear many women, many men can't afford it, can't afford the baby. And if they make their baby go through this, they'll be in a better financial place. If they made their children pass through the fires of Molech, they believed that their harvest would be plentiful. Not much has changed. When they say to me, don't talk politics, I have to, because there's one political party in our country, the Democrats, who are pro-abortion all the way, and are forcing its citizens of this country for our taxes to be used for Planned Parenthood. So this is why so many Christians cannot vote for Democrats, because God hates the shedding of innocent blood. There are pastors who won't say that because they think they're going to split their congregations. Well, I was a Democrat before I came to know the Lord. I came to know the Lord and his word showed me that things like that were an abomination so I could no longer vote the way I used to vote. So I, I want to say it. I believe that, that Democrats uh, get saved too. I wouldn't be here. So I'm glad the kids are in here uh, so that they can know there's two, there's two parties in this country and that's one of the reasons why there's such a fuss over the one because of abortion. Then he removed the horses and the kings of Judah, who had dedicated, to the, dedicated them to the sun at the entrance to the house of the Lord, by the chamber of Nathan Melech, the officer who was in the court, and he burned the chariots of the sun with fire. And so here, the chariots, the horses were removed and the chariots were burned. And, you know, horses in chariots in ancient Israel, in the ancient world, it symbolized power. It symbolized the strength of one's army. And the nations desired more and more horsepower, more and more chariots, because the, the greater the number of chariots and horses, the greater their nation. That's just the way they all thought. So you see the dedication of these items by the previous wicked kings. It shows where their trust was. Their trust was in the horses. Their trust was in the number of chariots. They wanted to be like the world. They thought that if they had a, a powerful army, no one can stop them. And their trust was in their own hand and in their own will. It was no longer in the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And so it's a beautiful reminder that our trust needs to be in the Lord, not in the power of our, of our strength physically, not in the, the possessions we might own, not in the amount of money we may have in our savings account, not in who's president of our country, not in how big or how weak our army is. It is the Lord that sustains us. It's the Lord that we trust in, but not the world. The world does not trust in such things. They think that it's folly. They think it's a fairy tale. They think we're... We've lost it, that we're weak-minded, but they're wrong. 
They're the ones that are weak-minded. They're the ones that are deceived by the enemy. I'm confident in my trust in the Lord that, that our strength comes from Him, our hope is in Him, that He is real. Look at the changed lives that are here tonight. Look at how many people God has touched throughout the world, throughout the centuries. In Psalm 20, verse 7, it says, Some trust in chariots and some in horses, but we will remember the name of the Lord our God. They have bowed down and fallen, but we have risen and stand upright. I mean, isn't that like Josiah's like thing right there and then? Like these have fallen. We're all these wicked kings. We're removing these horses. We're removing these chariots dedicated to these false god. Our hope is in the Lord. They're going down. They're being burned. But we're rising up. And that's what happens when we get rid of idols in our life. That's what happens when we get rid of sin that, that so easily is a weight in our lives. Anything that hinders our, our closeness to Jesus Christ, when we let go of those things, when we get rid of those things, my goodness, we rise up. And you see those who don't, those who are always dabbling, those who don't want to get rid of their, of their worldliness, their carnality, and they're the ones that are, that are not rising up. They're not living a resurrected life. They're down. They've fallen. We trust in the Lord. He told the kings in Deuteronomy 17, when a king arises from your brethren, speaking to Israel, when a king is, is risen out for you guys, to lead you guys, he's not to multiply horses. He's not to multiply silver and gold. Why? Because his trust might be in those things. So the reminder is trust in the Lord with all your heart, no matter how much is in the bank account, no matter what you're going through financially, trust in the Lord. He's able to make it rain upon your life. The altars, verse 12, that were on the roof, the upper chamber of Ahaz. Ahaz, King Ahaz, the, he built an upper room up there in the temple, which the kings of Judah uh, had made. And the altars which Manasseh had made in the two courts of the house of the Lord. The king broke down and pulverized there and threw their dust into the brook Kidron. Then... The king defiled the high places that were east of Jerusalem, which were on the south of the Mount of Corruption, which Solomon, king of Israel, had built for Ashereth, the abomination of the Sidonians, for Chemosh, the abomination of the Moabites, and for Milcom, the abomination of the people of Ammon. And he broke in pieces the sacred pillars and cut down the wooden images and filled their places with their bones. I mean... How much more thorough is King Josiah going to be here? So in the temple, these upper rooms, they had altars that were, that were there that he removed as well, that the previous kings had, had built. But then he also begins to look around Jerusalem. He, got, he, he just cleaned Jerusalem up, and within the temple, and then without. And so... Again, Josiah is like fully on cleaning things up, not playing games, not messing around. He is going from the temple and cleaning that up, and he's going now to the surrounding mountains. The Mount of Corruption on the south side of the mount is speaking of the Mount of Olives. The Mount of Olives on the south side of the Mount of Olives 
had become a spot where pagan worship, you know, took place in bulk. It was just turned into a very wicked location. Can you imagine that? The Mount of Olives. And it was because of King Solomon. And this is why the kingdom split, because King Solomon had sinned. We talked about not multiplying horses. The kings were also warned not to multiply wives, lest they turn their heart away from the Lord. And that's what happened. These pagan wives got Solomon to compromise, and he actually built these uh, pagan altars up on the Mount of Olives. So they were still there after all this time, since Solomon's time. But he went there and he defiled them. And he took men's bones and buried them there. He made a, a cemetery out of, out of that area. And even today you can see the cemetery of the Jewish people there on part of the Mount of Olives onto the Kidron Valley and that whole area. Bones defile a location according to the law. So that's how thorough he was he i mean to the extent where we're getting rid of this stuff but then we're going to place some dead man's bones there so that it never comes back again so that no one can come to this location and do this abominable thing isn't that crazy how thorough he was how aware he was of his surroundings he's not just dealing with jerusalem he's not just dealing with his palace there he's now going out around the hills around him the mountains around him and it just, the Lord spoke to my heart about being more, more wise with our surroundings today. More wise concerning those who are on the outside, which the Bible tells us to be wise, especially with those who are on the outside. Outside of what? Outside of our faith. Those who are not regenerated, those who are not born again, walking in obedience to the word of God. I didn't just say born again. I said born again and walking in obedience to the word of God. That's two different things. You can be born again and be all over the map when it comes to obedience. I'm talking about walking circumspectfully. Which Paul says, Ephesians 5, verse 15 through 16, See then that you walk circumspectfully, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time because the days are evil. King Josiah wasn't pretending not to see the Mount of Olives. It's right there. You can see it from the temple. And so many Christians today are like, pretending to not see what they see, what they know to be true biblically, what they've been taught. Out there, they're in need of a Savior. In here, we're saved. We need to abide in Christ and, and go with the message to those who are on the outside. Rather than they dictate to us how we should live, rather than them to dictate to us what our philosophy should be. We have to walk circumspectfully. We have to know, I am dealing with an unregenerated person. Or I'm dealing with a regenerated person. I was at the city council meeting Tuesday. And I got to hang out with you know, one of the police officers, a great man of God. We just sat there and talked about the Lord, talked about banning, talked about... We can have that because he's regenerated. He's born again. He's, he's, he's in the kingdom. So I ask him, how, how, how's banning? He goes, well, you know, we're living in the end times. What he says means a lot more to me after that comment. 
And there's plenty of other guys in professions, maybe police, in every profession, that are born again, who know what time it is. Which the Lord said, know what time it is. Know what days you're living in. This isn't the day to pretend there's not idols up on Mount, the Mount of Olives. Get rid of those. And that's what he did. He's getting rid of it. He's, he's aware of his surroundings. We need to be aware of what's not good that's in our life. That needs to go. Not pretend that we don't see it. In Proverbs 22, verse 3, it says, A prudent man foresees evil and hides himself, but the simple pass on and are punished. Don't pretend that that temptation isn't over there, or that thing, that idol, that whatever needs to be removed isn't over there. Go the other way. Flee youthful lust. Flee it. 15, moreover, the altar that was in Bethel, the high, and the high place, which Jeroboam, the son of Nebat. Thank you for joining us today at Lasting Truth Radio. If you're in the area, come out and join us for Sunday services at 10 a.m., or Wednesday evenings at 7 p.m. We are located at 3035 West Nicolette Street in Banning. You can also find us on YouTube or Instagram. If you would like to donate to our program, please do so on our website at ccsweethills.org and just hit the online giving tab. We hope you will continue to tune in as we journey through the entire Word of God with the teaching of Pastor Ryan Hussein at Calvary Chapel, Sweet Hills. Chapin, above.